So I'm excited. We're kicking off a new series today, and it's really going to be a powerful message, a powerful word. And, you know, at, at Liberty Church, we have some sayings, you know, that are not just sayings, but it's, it's DNA of who Liberty Church is and who we are as a church body and believers. You know, I could say some things, and y'all could probably, some, some statements, and y'all could finish it before I even say it, right? If I say, uh, obedience precedes... Man, y'all are so good. Sugar boo. I'm so thankful that y'all listen to what I'm saying on Sunday. <laughs> Amen. If I said, you know, we all have a loving uh, forever family. Man, y'all are good. If I pointed down to my awesome cool kicks this morning and said, man, these are my devil stompers. You need to get you a pair if you ain't got a pair. Stomp that devil in the head. Amen. And so we have some things, right? Some, some DNA of who we are. And these are simple truth statements. And this morning we're kicking off a new series with one of our simple truth statements that y'all have heard me say all the time, right? And y'all know it. The kingdom of God is and, and backwards. Y'all, and that is a real spiritual truth for you and for me. Hey, and we need to be reminded of that spiritual truth. Right, Because when I come to know Jesus, man, my life is better. I'm blessed. God begins to work and in my life and begins to come alive in my life. And my life gets better and he, he forgives me of my sin. And he begins to, I begin to follow him and he begins to lead my life. Right, But I need to remember that he don't work the way that they work out there. Right? And I have to be patient in my faith. And I have to continue to believe when doubt comes. And I have to continue to speak the word of God in confidence when the enemy begins to push back against my life, right? Because the kingdom of God is upside down and, and backwards. It's a powerful truth statement. I know y'all have heard it, but I want us to believe it these next couple weeks. Believe it because when we see it, recognize it as truth, now I know how the enemy works, I know how my father works, and guess what? He equips me with not just tools, but the answers to my problems. Amen? Does anybody want some answers to some things you're praying about? <laughs> some answers maybe for your ministry or for your family or for the season that you currently find yourself in. And so it's a fresh reminder of how the kingdom of God works for you and for me and for the global church, right? And it's a reminder that you and I can have hope in everything, no matter what. Y'all, because we are living in a hopeless world right now. If you pay attention to the news cycles, to everything going on, does it feel hopeless sometimes? Or is that just me? It's like, I mean, I know Jesus, but it's just, we need to have hope. Hope, and we can have hope when I know that God's kingdom is upside down and backwards, right? No matter what, he is still working. He is still working. Y'all, if you're watching online, put that in the chat. He is still working. If you're here this morning, tell your neighbor, say, hey, he is still working, right? He, not, Jesus, don't, don't take days off. He is always working. No matter what, he is working for you and for me, ever in seating and praying uh, standing in the gap that we find freedom, that we find hope, that we find peace and joy in our lives. Amen. So let's, let's get this thing started. Let's look at that first foundational scripture I want to give you. And I love this scripture. I love the word of God. If you brought your, your, your sword, your Bible, your word of God with you, turn there 
to uh, Isaiah 55, a powerful word from the Lord, a powerful promise and reminder for you and for me that God's kingdom is endowed upside down and backwards to the way uh, that the world leans. Amen. So verse 6, it says, seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. In verse 8, this is what I want us to get this morning, okay? This is what I want to stick to not just our lives and just our spiritual lives, but I want it to stick to who we are as a church. you got to remember this. Verse 8, God says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher, somebody say higher, than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God says, my ways are not like your ways. My ways are not like the world's ways. My thoughts are not even like your thoughts. They're higher. Somebody say higher. His, he's God. And I'm just me. <laughs> I need to be reminded of that. You know what? And I love this scripture because you know what? When, when, when I have questions about things that are going on in my life, does anybody ever feel like you just need to know the answer to everything going on? Like why this is happening to me? God, why? It's probably because I did this or so-and-so did this, right? Is that just me? And we can get caught in this cycle. I need to know the answer to why these things are happening in my life. Right? And guess what? Not all of us are called to know the answers to everything going on in our lives. And I can chalk this scripture up to those times, places, and seasons of my life when I, when, I doesn't, when I don't understand it, when my faith is being tested. I can just say, you know what? God, your ways are higher. Your thoughts are higher. You make things work out for my good. You turn the evil things against me for my good. And your ways are higher. They're better. You're God. I'm not. Amen. And that's, that's a good word. That's a good reminder for my life. We don't have to know the answers. I can rest in knowing that God has the answers and his ways are higher and his thoughts are He's greater and his ways are higher, right? And I can rest and still have hope knowing that. And are, is anybody else glad that God's ways are higher than the way the world's ways are? Right? Because the world's a mess. I'm glad his ways are higher. I'm glad his thoughts aren't the world's thoughts. Because the world's a mess. And God is perfect. He's pleasing. He's good. And I'm glad that his ways are better and different. Because we need a God. We need a Savior. And he, I promise you, he is those things. And that's, So let's look at that first point. So the first thing that we got to get. As we talk about the kingdom of God, uh, as it is upside down and backwards to the way that we naturally lean a lot of the times, right? The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. God's kingdom operates from a spiritual system, which is the opposite of this world's system. What you got to get, what you got to remember is serving God, living in the kingdom of God, everything, somebody say everything. Everything is spiritual. God sees everything through a spiritual, eternal lens. 
every choice I make, every word I speak, every decision that I have, it is all spiritual. And the way of the world is the exact opposite. (laughs) Everything is ingrained and designed to direct uh, our flesh, to gratify me, myself, and I. The things that I want, the dark secrets that I have, the, 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 the deep, dark sins that I enjoy. Right? The world says if it looks good, feels good, smells good, seems good, well, it probably is good. And God's saying, you know what? You need to seek my face. You need to pray and ask me first if it's good or if it's not. Right? Because everything is spiritual. Kingdom God is upside down and backwards. God kingdom operates from a spiritual system, the opposite of the world system. The world system, it's designed to guide us, not guide us, to steer us into those decisions that I'm talking about. God's ways are not natural to us a lot of the times. The longer I live for God, the easier and the lighter my load can become. But we oftentimes are led by emotions and lean towards sin. We're constantly in this pushing and pulling from the world, right? Look this way, act this way, talk this way, buy this thing. You need this thing. You want that thing. And if we see and know and recognize that everything is spiritual, that the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards, that the things that I think that I want probably have no significance, real eternal significance in my life. And God wants to do something greater. Somebody say greater. Greater Greater inside of us, inside of our hearts. And those things that give you temporary happiness, he wants to give you something that gives you eternal joy and fill those voids in our lives. God wants us to be spiritually minded all the time. Always praying, always seeking, always asking, always Knocking, right? Jesus says, ask, seek, and knock, and ye shall find, receive. Problem is, a lot of us ain't seeking, asking, knocking. A lot of us aren't even sitting at the feet of Jesus asking God, should I be doing this thing? Do I need to be doing this thing? Is this good? Is this sin? Is it really life-giving? Is it really, is it really doing anything that has eternal value in my life? Because he wants us to have a spiritual mindset all the time. And that's why he gives us his spirit. How do I walk in, live in, operate, think in a spiritual mindset all the time? When I allow the Holy Spirit to guide my life. Right? That's why he gives us his spirit. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 11, or 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 15. It says, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his what? Spirit. spirit. By his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? You know what? No one knows your thoughts other than you, right? Somebody say, praise God. 
<laughs> I'm so glad people don't know the thoughts that Ian has had or has. And then I'm sure you're thankful as well, right? Come on, somebody. But this is what he says. This is what Paul says. Look at verse 11. It says, For who knows a person's thought except their own spirit within them? In the same way, get this, in the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. How do I think and see and look at things the way God thinks and sees and looks at them? I need the same spirit that lives inside of God. The only way I can think like God, I need to have the same spirit as God. The only way that I can talk like God, I need to have the same spirit that God has. Amen? The only way you can think like God and live like God is to have the same spirit of God. Do you have the Holy Spirit alive and working in your life? If you do, that's some good news. We just have to turn his voice up louder. Somebody say louder. Louder than all the other static and noise going on in my life. The noise of social media, the noise of TV, the noise of the enemy, the noise of even my own thoughts. I have to, I have to tune into his station, right? Into the, to, into the station Jesus and, and, and get in, in tune with him and align my life, align my, align my heart and my mind with his spirit. Amen. That way I can know the things of God, the deep things of God, and even awesome, amazing secrets in the word of God. You know, God has secrets he wants to reveal to you in your life, in his word. He does. He does. I stopped there in the middle. I'm sorry. Let's go ahead and look at verse 12. Pick up there in 1 Corinthians. It says, What we have received is not a spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. He's freely given you his same spirit through Jesus Christ. We celebrated that last Easter. I mean, last week on Easter. We celebrated that God did that for us. Verse 13, this is what we speak, not in words taught by um, human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. Has anybody ever tried to testify about God's goodness to a non-believer? Anybody? Have you ever been shot down? They didn't accept what you were saying, right? They didn't accept it because they didn't have the Spirit of God testifying and coming into agreement, into alignment with what you're saying because the Spirit of God was not working in their life. You know, you can be so deceived that God can release you to your own ways, to your own sin. That's what he's talking about. But verse 15, it says, The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. We need the Spirit of God Church, we cannot discern the spiritual things with natural eyes and unredeemed flesh. We can't, we got to know that we're in spiritual warfare all the time. The world's going to come against me. I'm going to experience hard things in my life. And I need the Spirit of God to speak truth, to show me things, to help me, to lead me, and to guide me. Right? And to understand those things, I need the Spirit of the Lord working uh, alive in my life. What did Jesus tell Nicodemus? He said, you must be born again. He wasn't talking about physical rebirth. He was talking about spiritual 
rebirth. In order to see truth, understand truth, or in order to be a part of the kingdom of God, i got to be born of the kingdom of God. And I'm born of the kingdom of God through the Holy Spirit that God has freely given. Right? To understand the kingdom, i got to be born of the kingdom. Let's look at that next point. So first, I have to understand that everything's spiritual, right? The, the world operates by, by the flesh, and God operates by the spirit. The second point, the kingdom of God invites us to live at a higher level. He doesn't want to keep you where you are. He wants to continue see, to seeing you grow and flourish and go on to the next thing and to the next seasons, right? That's the awesome part about being a part of the kingdom of God. But in order to operate in the kingdom of God, we have to repent. Somebody say repent. The fun part, right? That word repent. It's not a fun word, is it? (laughs) I have to daily be repenting. It can be when you realize that repent means return to the high place. Did you know that's what repent means? Changing your mind. It also means to return to the high place. Re is short for return and pent. Y'all ever heard the English word penthouse? The high place. So when I repent, not only do I change my mind, but I actually return to the higher, somebody say higher, higher place. God's ways are higher. My thoughts are not your thoughts, but they are higher. Are you seeing how God wants to raise elevation uh, in your life? He wants you to repent, change your thinking, but also return to the high place. The rest of that point, it says, in order to operate, we have... In the kingdom of God, we have to repent, literally change the way we think, and come into alignment with the Spirit of God who lives in us. And the thing about repentance, when I ask for forgiveness, when I realize that I'm doing life my way and I want to begin to do it God's way, not only does he forgive me and he accepts me and he begins to lead my life and I return to the high place, but it reminds, it's like a spiritual start over. It reminds me that I am who I am and God is God because Hear me, God is not the one that has to change. God is not the one that has to change the things that he's doing, how he's doing them. He's been doing them for a long time. Somebody say, long time. And he's going to keep doing them for a long time. The problem is me. The problem is Ian. And that's why I have to have this conditioned spiritual activity that I do. I worship God, and I repent. I ask forgiveness of the things that I'm doing, the thoughts that I have. And when I do that, I return to the high place, and I see God as God, and I worship God in spirit and truth, and he can then meet me where I am, work and live and guide my life. When we live and think like God, here's the cool thing, we then go higher. When I live and think like God, I can't do that aside from repentance, then I get to go higher. Anyone want to go higher this next year, this today, this next week, this next month? You're striving for some things, right? You got to see that the, the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. I got I to gotta admit that, that, that I have some problems in my life, some issues in my life, some deep insecurities in my life, and God wants to... Bless me. He wants to help me. What, the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards, right? It says in the word of God that in my weakness, I'm made strong. 
That's upside down and backwards to the way of the world. So you got to admit fault to find his favor. you got to admit fault to find his strength. you got to admit fault because we're all sinners that have fallen short and we all need a Savior, right? If you want to go to the next level, you got to level with God. If you want to go to the next level, you got to get honest with where you currently are. How good are you really doing? How bad are you really doing? It may not be as good as you think on either of those. You may not be doing as good as you think. And guess what? Hey, you may not be doing as bad as you think. The only way I can level up is that I got to get level with God. I got to get honest with where I really am and, and truly repent. Admit shortcomings, return to the high place, and he's well and able to forgive us of our sins. I love uh, the book of John. The disciple that Jesus loved the most, he wrote in the book of John. And speaking of John the Baptist, this is an extra scripture. If you got your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. It's in John 3.30, it's a real short scripture, a real short verse. John the Baptist understood something. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. What a statement. And there's a deeper meaning in that scripture because... You know, everybody thought John the Baptist was Jesus. They thought he was the Messiah, right? So when he said that, he was not just saying that he needs to uh, decrease and Jesus needs to increase. He meant that, but he's also saying to everybody else watching, I'm not the one that you've been looking for, praying for. It's him, right? But that's a whole message for another day. But it's a, it's, it's, it's a reality for you and me as we're talking about repentance. Every day I have to see and recognize this truth. God, Ian has to decrease so that you can increase in my life. That's good. Somebody say, that's good. That, that is how you crucify your flesh on a daily basis. That is how you crucify your flesh on a daily basis. I must decrease, Ian does, so that he, who is Jesus, can increase in my life. Amen? Let's look at um, Mark 14, or 1, 14 through 15. Some more scripture on repentance. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. What? Repent and believe in the gospel. Re repent and believe in the good news. Repent and believe in the message of Jesus Christ. Right? And so church, while we still can, repent while you still can. We can repent until Jesus comes back. After he comes back, it's too late. <laughs> And it says he's going to come like a thief in the night, right? So while you can still repent, do it. Change the way you think about everything and return to the high place. Change the way you think about everything in your life. Because you know what? We all think that we have it figured out. We all think that we know everything that everyone is doing and everything that I'm doing and everything that everybody else is not doing, right? Your perspective is not final. Your perspective is filled with blind spots, believe me. <laughs> and so you may think, I got it all under control. I'm doing all these things. I'm doing all this stuff. And these people over here, they're, they're, they're missing it. They're your perspective is not final. The cool thing is, God's perspective is perfect. 
He sees it all. Why do I need to repent? Because I don't see it all. I don't know it all. And when I return to the high place and I meet in fellowship with the king of kings, uh, the alpha and the omega, he begins to download things that then I can see and know. And he can begin to help you on those blind spots, not to get you to a place where you're going to know everything, but things that you need to know when you need to know them. Right? Words from heaven. One word from heaven can blow your whole life up in a good way for his glory. And he wants us just to slow down enough, push down the pride enough, believe in him, repent, understand that his kingdom is different. And when I operate by his ways, then he can not just help me, but he can bless me. Amen. That next point. So we said we need to repent. What are we repenting from? Sin, right? Sin has entered the world ever since Adam and Eve when they chose to disobey God, right? In the garden. When sin entered in, now there has to be something that covers our sins. And Jesus, he's that, he is that fulfillment. He, he is well and able to forgive you when you ask, right? But we're still not perfect. That's why I have to daily be repenting. It has to be a lifestyle because sin is, is all these things. It perverts, it corrupts, it distorts everything. Sin creates and celebrates compromise. Encouraging us to do whatever feels right. Go ahead, put a slash in good if you want. I added good in mine. Whatever feels right and whatever feels good. Right? That's how I compromise the goodness of, real goodness of who God is. Instead of doing what is right in the eyes of God. You know what? And the world is totally engulfed and entrenched in this type of behavior. We have governments all across this nation, states doing it their own way, literally making legislation based on emotion. Are they compromising the real thing that God wants to do for the sake of not hurting other people's feelings, even though what they're doing is definitely, somebody say definitely, definitely. not just wrong, but sin. Our world is compromised. We will compromise the goodness of God for something for a five-second, five five-minute feel-good. For a five-second, for a five-minute five mental uh, escape feel-good. We're over and over compromising what God wants to do because of sin that has entered the world. Some of our sins are the same. Some of our sins are totally different. But in the eyes of God, I said his perspective is perfect, it's all sin, right? It's all the same. Sin separates, period. It separates us from God. And if I'm separated from God, that kills me. Sin kills me. It kills my family. It kills everything. That's why we have to see it as sin Repent of the sin and realize that the enemy wants us to, to compromise that goodness that God wants to do for that sin. 
The world says if it looks good, right? If it feels good, then it probably is. And none of us are actually taking the time to sit at his feet and ask, right? If we would just do that, he would begin to show us. Look at Proverbs 14, 12. It says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. We all have a way that we feel or think is right. When's the last time you asked God, is this the right way? Is this the right way, Lord? What did Jesus say? I am the. <laughs> hey, why don't you ask the way if it's the right way? He'll tell you. He knows, right? So there's a way that seems right to a man and a woman. Oftentimes, it's the wrong way. It leads to death. We need to slow down, meet with him, and ask. Look at 2 Peter 2, uh, 14 through 19. Kind of a cool scripture out of 2 Peter. It says, They commit adultery with their eyes, and their desire for sin is never satisfied. They lure unstable people into sin. You know the world wants to bring you down with it. <laughs> and people who are deceived and entrenched in sin, they hate their lives. And it makes them feel good when your life's miserable too. Anybody ever been at the workplace and there's everybody just grumbling and complaining and, and having a pity party and, you know, and everybody's chiming in, it makes them feel better? That's the, that's the status of our world right now. Everybody wants to complain about everything and drag everybody in together so everybody can feel miserable together. And God's like, man, I called you to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. Hey, are you living salty? Are you living salty? Do you have flavor? Are you shining light in the darkness? Or are you just looking like the rest of the world? Right? God calls us to stand out. That was for free. Pick up there in verse 15. It says, They have wandered off the right road and followed the footsteps of Balaam, son of Bear, who loved to earn money by doing wrong. But Balaam was stopped from his mad course when his donkey rebuked him with a human voice. Y'all remember that story when the donkey rebuked him, began to speak to him, and began to tell him what he was doing wrong? His donkey rebuked him. Verse 17, it says, These people are as useless as dried up springs or as a mist blown away by the wind. They are doomed to the blackest darkness. They brag about themselves with empty, foolish boasting, with an appeal to twisted sexual desires. They lure back into sin those who have barely escaped from a lifestyle of deception. Excuse me. Verse 19, they promise freedom. But they themselves are slaves to sin and corruption. For you are a slave to whatever controls you. Deceive people trying to deceive other people with the guise and disguise of freedom and happiness and joy and peace. And when that doesn't happen and you can't give those people everything that they want from you in your life, then they just shun you. See you later. I got from you what I needed. I don't need you no more. Aren't you glad God ain't that way? Right? And this is, this is the world that we live in. People promising freedom, and they themselves are controlled. They have no freedom in their lives. 
They don't even know what freedom was if it bit them in the butt. Am I allowed to say butt? <laughs> Got some chuckles from you. Just checking to make sure you're paying attention. Right? So lost, so engulfed in sin, corruption, and evil. And they're bringing others down with them. Are you glad we serve a God of justice, though? Everyone will bow and confess that he is Lord one day. And then that next point. So when Jesus says, follow me, his invitation immediately requires us to swim upstream, right? Because the kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. Jesus shifts the focus from the temporal to the eternal. So we have to, we have to recognize sin is sin. We have to repent from that sin, right? And when I repent from that sin, I literally, I, I'm not doing my own thing, right? Now I'm following God. And Jesus calls us to follow him, right? And as soon as I follow Jesus, you have an eternal bullseye on your back. You will forever have an eternal bullseye that is on your back. And being a Christian, here's the amazing thing. Yeah, I have a bullseye on my back. The world can say what it wants. It can react and act any way it wants towards me. I'm not going to compromise my faith. But the cool thing is, when I begin to follow God and I become a Christian, I am not, I'm in the world, but I'm not from this place. Come on, somebody. I'm in this world, but I know this is not my permanent destination. It's not where I'm from. God's calling me higher. He's calling me to new things, amazing things. And when I follow God, now my, my, my spiritual life comes alive. I'm born again, and I begin to see things the way that they really are in the eyes of God. I see things as eternal and not just temporal, right? There's that shift that happens. That's why it's so important that we are repenting on a daily basis, that it's part of your, your prayer and part of your worship and a part of your life. Because, it, like I said, it really is. It's a spiritual reset. It reminds me that everything is eternal, and, and every choice that I make is, is important, right, in the eyes of God. And so following Jesus can be hard. Anybody been in some pickles? Some tough spots? Thank you, Sugar Boo. One hand. Right? Right? Following God is hard sometimes. He calls me to go the extra mile. He calls me to do the good things all the time. He can see everything that I do, everything that I think, everything that, I, that I'm saying, Right? And so it's okay knowing that living for God can be hard. But if it's hard all the time in your life, you're probably not allowing God to lead you in your life. It's okay for it to be hard at times, in seasons, at places. But if it's this thing that is just like, it's this thing that you just, it's too hard for you. Are you just slow down, stop and say, God, help me. Because I promise you, whenever, whenever I get frustrated, whenever I get mad, whenever I lose my cool and I look back, it's always because I didn't stop. I didn't slow down and ask his presence to help me. As soon as I submit myself and humble myself and say, God, I need your help, man, he shows up. Right? And I can feel it and I can see it and I can recognize it for what it is. That was a word for somebody today. You just need to slow down and ask him. For your help, for his help, amen. Look at Mark 1, 16 through 20. <clears throat> it 
It says, And as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, his big brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then Jesus said to them, Follow me, there it is, and I will make you become fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also was in the boat, mending their nets. He immediately he called to them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went after him. Jesus, just as he called the disciples to stop what they were doing and follow them, follow him, God asks us and invites us every single day to do it his way, which is upside down and backwards to the world, to not be led by your own emotions, not to be led by your own desires, but to follow Christ. And the cool thing is, when Jesus asked the disciples to follow me, what were they doing? The only thing that they knew, right? Their work. Why do we work? To provide for ourselves and for our family, right? So that's a big ask from Jesus. He says, if you want to come see, come follow me. He met them right where their provision was. They had to make a decision. Am I going to trust in my own substance and my own provision that I know that I have already made proof that I can do, or do I want to drop this down and follow God? Where there's, where there's questions that you don't have answers to, where there's things up in the air, right? Here's the cool thing. God wants to provide for your physical provision and your spiritual provision at the same time time. He'll provide for the physical provision that you can do on your own if you just follow him and not just provide the physical part, but make you spiritually rich and spiritually full. He can do both at the exact same time. Y'all remember what Jesus said? No man can live by bread alone, but by that comes, every word that comes out of the mouth proceeds out of the mouth of God. So do we need provision physically? Yes. But we need the leadership of the Lord. And God, he does that, for, he does that both the same for us when we choose to follow him. Look at that next point. It says, Jesus said, don't just fish for fish, fish for men. He's not saying we don't need to make a living He's not saying that we don't need to provide for ourselves, okay? You still got to go to work, still do the things. But he is saying that the key to a kingdom life is not measured by what you have, but by who you reach. He was taking fishers of fish and turning them into fishers of men, right? The world says that you're successful based on what you have. God says you're successful based on what I've done in your life and who you've shared it with. What I've done in your life and who you've shared it with. Because that's how his word, his eternal word continues to live. His, his eternal word continues to get passed on. Right? That's, who, that, that's what he asks us to do. God says we have to have a kingdom life. We must tell everyone what God's done and who he is. Look at Mark 10, 7 through 23. It says, as Jesus was starting out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? How must I enter into the kingdom of God? He's asking. Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, the man replied, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. Looking at the man, Jesus felt genuine love for him. 
There is still one thing you haven't done, he told him. Go and sell your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then, somebody say then, come follow me. Then, he says, come follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away very sad for he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter into the kingdom of heaven? Man, that's a sobering scripture. But did he ask him to do anything that he hadn't already asked the disciples, which we just read a few scriptures before that? For you to be kingdom mindsetted and for you to be spiritually rich, God, it's simple. He just wants you to make him number one in your life. He doesn't want you to be too attached to anything in this world, in this place that you've placed above him. How do we kick this thing off from Isaiah? For your ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. You know, there's nothing higher than the king of kings. It's the highest. And so why do we put things in God's place? We can't truly, fully, all-heartedly be all in if I got things set up in the place of where God is supposed to be. And that's all God's saying to us this morning. If I asked you to stop doing this, if I asked you to sell this, if I asked you to do this and follow me over here where you may already know inside of your heart that God's trying to get you to do, do you love me enough to do that for me? Because as we saw right last week, he loved us enough to go to the cross in my stead. He bore the cross that I was supposed to bear to give me that opportunity to accept him and follow him. Right, that last point. The kingdom of God is upside down and backwards. The kingdom of God is not about temporal wealth, but eternal riches. As I'm saying, is God number one? Could you sell some things? Could you sell everything? Could you do what he's asking and trust him, right? Matthew 6, 19 through 21, it says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, somebody say treasure, there your heart will also be. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If your heart is aligned currently with corruptible things, your heart is corrupted. If your heart lies with Jesus, it'll be filled. It's that simple. If your heart is aligned with corruptible things, it'll be corrupted. If your heart lies with Jesus, King Jesus, it'll be filled. That is where your treasure is. That is where the truth of God is. And we will all get to receive a treasure, hopefully in Jesus' name, when we go home one day. Based on what I did with that truth of who God is. Amen. Y'all want to join me in prayer this morning as we get ready to close. And so I want to go ahead and pray over us. Lord, I thank you, God, 
for your word. I thank you for the message. Lord, I thank you for the reminder that your ways are not the ways of the world. God, and I can be patient and still be hopeful. God, I can believe and really believe it and be confident in who you are, God. So no matter what season or place we find ourselves this morning, Lord, I just impart that that word from heaven, God, that your ways are different, but they're higher. Your ways are not the way of the world, but they're better. They're life-giving. They're eternal, Lord, and I thank you for that. Amen. Lord, I thank you for these people. Lord, if I want to ask you, everybody here watching, everybody listening, and anybody watching from home this morning, I want to give you an opportunity, a moment. Maybe you don't know the Lord as your Savior. You don't know Jesus as your personal Savior. I want to give you a moment, an opportunity to do that today. We call it making a decision for Christ. So if you want to have that confidence in knowing that your sins are forgiven and that you can one day when you pass away and die in this place, that you can enter into heaven because you've accepted who Jesus is. And so if that's you this morning, right now, I want you to do something. I want everyone's eyes closed and their heads bowed as we're praying. If you already know the Lord, I want you to pray for the lost. And so if you want to make that decision for Christ this morning, right now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to stand up. Stand up right now in this sanctuary. If you're watching online, stand up right now. Hallelujah. There's people standing. I want to ask the church to continue to pray. If you're watching online, I want to ask you just to stand up wherever you're watching. Hallelujah, Lord, I thank you for new life. I want to ask you to remain standing. God, you're good. Heaven rejoices over one soul that comes home today. God, you're so good. So I want to lead us in a prayer, and I want everyone to repeat after me. So Heavenly Father, God, I accept your truth. God, I accept your Son, Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior. I believe that he is. I believe that he lived and died for me. And now I confess that he is my Lord and he is my Savior. Holy Spirit, help lead and guide me for the rest of the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Y'all may be seated. Hallelujah. Amen. God is good. Heaven rejoices. Liberty Church rejoices this morning. Amen. Anybody glad you came to church today? Amen. We're so glad you came too. We're so glad to see you. We hope to see you again next week. Okay, y'all come back and see us. If you got nothing going on the rest of the afternoon, hang out, stay with us. Uh, we're going to party and we're going to uh, party hard, right, or, or go home uh, celebrating Liberty Church turning two years old. Amen. We love you. Y'all are dismissed. <laughs>